0: Morning scripture reading is taken from the third epistle of John. That's the third epistle of John. We would like to read the entire chapter of the shortest book in the Bible, this is. We'd like to read the first fourteen verses, the only fourteen verses. Allow me to begin reading verse number one. Now we'll read the succeeding odd numbered verses. Would you please read with me the seven even numbered verses, beginning in verse number two? And as always, in respect to the reading of the Word of God, if you're able to stand once again, I invite you to stand. Third John, verses 1 through 14, and reading responsively. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, thou, hast, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sword, thou shalt do well. Because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith, Neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Demetrius hath good report of all men, and of the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record, as we know that our record is true. I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee. But I trust I shall surely see thee, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee. Our friends salute thee. Greet thy friends by name. And may God it blessing to the reading of his word. Let's make our prayer. Now, Heavenly Father, Spirit of God, I pray that you might take your words of holy writ and speak to every heart of every believer that's within the sound of this voice. I pray for those that might not know Christ as their Savior. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do a work and an unction in their heart that only you can do. Save those that need to be saved, we pray. Lord, I pray for our children downstairs. I pray the prayer blessing upon them as well. May you be well honored in these next minutes. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. It was their 60th wedding anniversary last Thursday, and all God's people said, amen. So we're thankful for that here, and uh, I'm on, I'm on. Uh, Okay, thank you. we got to figure it out here. Okay. Third John, tonight again, I just want to give you a quick commercial. We look forward to hearing from our dear sister, Nancy Butkovich, uh, Russian origin. She's actually from Waterbury, but she's been in Russia as a missionary for, I believe, about 20 years now. And uh, doing a wonderful work of God over there. And so we'll hear her testimony tonight. And have a brief message as well. Third John now. Our 40th and final message of these epistles of John. We've preached 37 messages through 1 through John. We saw the key word was the word know. That's K-N-O-W. We saw two messages, or we preached two messages rather, in 2 John. And we saw that the key word was the word truth. And the key word in this... Shortest epistle, it's 14 verses. Second epistle of John is 13 verses, but it's, or pardon me, if I, that's, that's correct, 13 verses, but it's uh, actually 3rd John is shortest in words, 219 words. This book makes it the shortest book in the Bible. I want you to notice that the key word is the same, of uh, this epistle, is the same key word that we found in 2nd John, and that is the word truth. Notice it with me just as we begin this morning in Wave Introduction. Verse number one. It says, the elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, of whom I love, I, yes, i got to put him on, I love in the truth. Then again, in verse number four, we see the word truth. Verse six, we see the word truth. Verse eight, and then twice in verse number 12, we find the word truth or true. And I want you to know that the truth was under attack in John's day as it is under attack today. The truth of uh, the, the Christianity was being attacked as far more than it's being attacked today in many ways. People were not being, not least in our country, people in John's days, they were being burned at the stake. They were being uh, crucified, real life history. Uh, not in our country does that happen, but in other countries it still, I'm sure, happens from time to time, of course. But they were martyrs. And this Gaius was pastoring a persecuted church, there's no doubt about it. We see in this little 14 verses, I want you to notice that we see five, pardon my slang, five guys. I tried to run this title by one of you members here this morning, or rather this past week. I said, I'm preaching on five guys, it was supposed to be a joke. And... Uh, supposed to be the restaurant, of course, and uh, they, they said, five guys, what are you talking about? And, you know, five guys, you know, the restaurant, and they, they didn't know, but uh, so, but there we see five guys or five men in this book, and this book is all about truth, so I want to deal with the subject of, the outline really is defenders and despisers of the truth, all connected with this local church, and it's a picture of five defenders or five despisers or some despisers of the truth that's. Apropos, rather uh, found in almost all churches throughout all ages, and certainly within even this church context as well. Are you a defender or a despiser of the truth this morning? Notice with me verses 1 to 4. And notice the first of, one, first of five guys, if you will. Notice a true pastor. And I'm referring to this man named Gaius. The Bible says, The elder unto the well beloved, that's elder, of course, there is that word presbuderos, this president of the assembly this pastor, unto the well-beloved Gaius. I want you to notice he was a true pastor. He was fervent for the truth. He was fervent for the truth. I loved Pastor Rich's You that were here Thursday night. You know what I'm talking about. Pastor Rich Sivotsky preached for us. And Pastor Rich is a fervent preacher and a very good preacher, as all of you know that heard him, of course. And we're looking forward to our revival meeting in a month from now where we'll preach the whole week of revival meeting. But he's fervent for the truth. And uh, the Bible tells us that, let a man account of himself as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Uh, I don't know about Gaius, but I do know about Pastor Rich. He's not only a, a fervent for the truth, but he's, uh, he's a very well-spoken preacher. He's at he's, he's least famous in our world. At least in my world, he's famous. Maybe not in many worlds, but I wouldn't say he's flashy or flamboyant. Uh, I think he can be funny. But I know one thing that he is for sure, and I know one thing that Gaius was for sure, and that is he was faithful. And uh, it's moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And so a true pastor is a faithful pastor, and uh, he's faithful to the truth of the Word of God. We are to respect him, verse number one, it says, unto the, uh, the elder, unto the well-beloved Gaius. He didn't say the, the beloved Gaius, he said the well-beloved Gaius. He loved him in the truth. And um, he was well beloved and he was respected because he was a lover of the truth and therefore respected by John. He was. Secondly, verse number two, notice the request for him. It says these words, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. We don't know, but we're left to surmise. And we know that the church at this time was highly persecuted. Christians were second-class citizens at best. They were persecuted. They were being they were being literally killed, martyred for their faith. And uh, so they got the lo- lowest of the. They were on the lowest ladder of the economic uh, pool, if you will, or the, uh, the lowest rung of the of economy and jobs. And probably nothing, probably was held true with the pastors of these very poor churches. Gaius was rich in the Lord, but he was, he was, uh, he was probably poor in this world. Proverbs 10 says, The blessings of the Lord make it maketh rich, and he endeth no sorrow with it. In the Old Testament, just for the record, we have godly men that were, because they were godly, they were also rich. Think of Job. Think of Abraham. Think of David. Think of Solomon. Uh, in the New Testament, the Bible says, Yea, and all that will of God in Christ Jesus shall what? Do you know it? Suffer persecution. So our riches are different riches per se. Our riches are defined in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, a little subpoint to the outline here, to the re- the, the request for him that he would be prosperous. Our blessings are positional. We're already seated in heavenly places in Christ where our, our blessings are spiritual. We're saved by grace. Ephesians 2 says we're saved by the grace of God. We have his mercy and grace upon us. And then, of course, we're, we're, our blessings are eternal. But two more things about our blessings. Not only are our blessings today positional, as Gaius, his, position, his blessing was positional. He was in Christ, eternal or spiritual, eternal. But our blessings, in Gaius' case, there was some suffering that was probably going on, and so his blessings are later. You know, folks, I want to remind you, our, our major blessings are later. They're not now, they're later. But I do want you to know that the last part of that is, and it is truth. Our blessings are now. You say, what do you mean by that? Mark chapter 10, verse 28 and 29. Sometimes we get the martyr's complex, and we look at people that don't serve the Lord, and they say, we see them being blessed, and we're not being blessed, or we sit, think we're not being blessed. But Peter said that to the Lord one day. He said, Lord, we left all to follow you. And the Lord said to Peter, Peter, no man has left fathers or houses or, or wives or sisters or brethren or, that shall not in this world receive, uh, he says, shall not in this world receive a hundredfold. Now in this world and the world to come, everlasting life. We're blessed here, down on earth, as Christians. Don't ever forget that. And so the, the, we see the request for him, this true pastor this respect of him we see the reputation of him notice verse 3 it says this for I rejoiced greatly when thy brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee his reputation preceded him men would come to his church people would come to his church and they knew that he stood for the truth he was a, he was valiant for the truth and then he they knew not only that he stood for the truth but his Walk matched his talk. Look at the last part of verse 3. Even as thou walkest in the truth. It's one thing, and I have to be careful here, but you don't know who I'm talking about, so I'll use an illustration of this past week. Uh, I was with somebody that uh, claims to know the truth, and I believe they do know the truth. Uh, But there were several improper words coming out of their mouth. We might call them curse words, swear words. I truly believe this person was a Christian. But the way he was talking didn't sound like a Christian. You see, his walk didn't match his talk. Or his talk, rather, didn't match his, his so-called walk with the Lord. And I think he truly is a Christian. But it couldn't be said that of Gaius. Gaius not only talked the truth, but he walked the truth. And then we get to verse number four on this true pastor. This first guy that was fervent for the truth. John says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Notice the relationship with him. He walked in truth. The Bible says, can two walk together except they be, what, help me out? Do you know it? Agreed. You know, I want to walk with people that are walking with the Lord. And all God's people said, I really do. That's my best friends. I'll go back to Pastor Rich for just a moment, just because he's fresh and just with us, just and he'll be with us for, I like walking with Pastor Rich because he's a man of God and he walks with God. That's who I want to walk with. After a while, and even Christians that don't walk with God, I, I, I want to be with them and hopefully influence them and so forth. But if they're not, they are not, don't have a closer close walk with God, after a while, I find myself wanting to distance just a little bit from them. And I know I, I should be a mentor and discipler and so forth, I understand that, but... But when it came to Gaius and John, they, they had a mutual walk and a mutual fervency for the truth. And so we see this true pastor, maybe not flashy, no doubt not flashy, not flamboyant, certainly not famous, probably not funny, but he was faithful. But then I want you to notice the second guy, if we can use that slang again, the second guy that we read about, a second type of group of men at least, in verses 5 through 8. Notice with me, it says in verse 5, Beloved... Thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers. Notice the the traveling preacher. The the Timothys. Remember, Paul had a young son in the faith named Timothy. We have two books in our New Testament written to Timothy. And uh, here's his admonition about Timothys, followers of the truth. Paul said it this way in 2 Timothy 2.2. I didn't give you the verse, but... And the things as thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same to commit thou to what? Faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Hey, just let me let you in on a little secret. The pulpit ministry of a pastor, of a pastor, I've heard pastors say this, and I, I remember learning this from, in Bible Seminary College, that really this is about 5% of the pastorate. This is the part of the slang, this is the show. This is not pastoring. Anybody? There's some great pulpiteers out there. There's some great orators out there. There's some great folks, communicators that can speak well, but they don't live it. And the fact of the matter is there's much more to being pastor than being able, to be able to speak finally. No, there's, there, there's the, the, the faithfulness that's so important. Before a man can be a pastor, he must be found faithful. And then we see these traveling pastors he says three things about these men here. He says, first of all, recognize him. Recognize him in the stranger. Uh, by the way, uh, I guess I can get away with saying this. And uh, whenever we have pastors that are visiting us, we had a pastor several weeks ago who was visiting on vacation, and uh, he visited us. And I always try to honor the pastor uh, of a slightly different flavor of Christianity than what we're used to and so forth, and uh, not, our, not my brand of uh, cup of tea, so to speak, but uh, nevertheless, uh, a man that loved the Lord, a man that's godly. And uh, you know, he said this thing or two from the pulpit that uh, he wasn't trying to be offensive. He said something that was, uh, we wouldn't, I wouldn't personally approve of, but I didn't correct him. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't embarrass him at all. Well, I was trying to honor him, and we need to do that. And just like, by the way, uh, Aquila and P- Priscilla. There was a man named Apollos. Remember the story? Apollos didn't f- f- uh, didn't uh, uh, f- uh, perfectly expound the word of God, and Aquila and Priscilla took him uh, aside par- privately and, and expounded to him more, the things of the word of God. They didn't embarrass him in front of others. I wasn't going to embarrass that preacher that was here a number of weeks ago. He's a fine man, loves the Lord. And uh, so... We, we need to recognize him. We need to not only recognize these other brothers and sisters in the faith, but we need to refresh him. Look at verse number six. Which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, or thy love before the church. These men that have come in, these strangers, these these preachers that you've never met before, these missionaries, these evangelists, they, they spoke of your love, whom if thou... Bring forward on their journey after a godly sword, thou shalt do well. Refresh him. For most of you know, we have what's called a prophet's chamber. We call it a prophet's chamber. It's a hotel room is what it is. But we use it for God's servants. We use it for missionaries and evangelists and people in the work of the Lord. We try to be a blessing to them. And we want to try to take care of them. And that's, a lot of Christianity is to be given to hospitality. That's part of the ministry. And that's part of, uh, we're, we're, sometimes we're deficient on our hospitality, but we're to take care of the men and women of God. But then I want you to notice verse 7, it says, because that for his name's sake, they went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. This refreshing him, taking care of the men of God. I noticed that the world, and not all, not many entities in the world, but some entities take care of their own. They take care of those people that serve them. I think of our military. And uh, I've used it many times in illustration. We have several ex-military here. We have several, maybe current military, I guess, as well. And we take care of our soldiers because they're taking care of us. We give them the very best, and they're, they're taken care of by our country. But God's children, we don't, we don't go to the Gentiles to have them. Gentiles take care of us. We, are care of, we take care of our own through our own means and so forth. So we take care of the traveling evangelist, the, the missionary, and the, the, the servant of God that's a blessing. And so this traveling preacher who's a follower of the truth, we recognize them, we refresh them, we receive them. But then verses 9 to 11, now we get to the, the foe. Of the truth. Notice the Bible says, I wrote unto the church by Diotrephes. Now, by the way, we're going to get to Demetrius. Let me fast forward here. I know a lot of Demetrius's, or Demetrius. How do you say that? <laughs> People that name their kid Demetrius. I've met a lot of Demetrius, but I've never met a Diotrephes. There's reason for that. He was a foe of the truth. Nobody names their kid Diotrephes that I know of. And I want you to notice that he had several issues, and John points them out. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Notice his pride. He wanted the preeminence. It was all about him. He wouldn't even receive John. You know, this goes two ways here, and I've, we've had, uh, and every church is, this has happened before, but there's been... Christians who come in and this pastor doesn't raid with them, I understand that, I, I, I get it totally, uh, but it wouldn't matter if another pastor was here, they wouldn't, they wouldn't, they wouldn't raid with him, them either, and uh, there's some members, there's some church Christians, I know Christians that have been to, I think in one family that I know of, been to 18 different churches that I know of, as members, never can find a perfect church, they never will find a perfect church, Always looking for that perfect somebody to measure up to their standard of righteousness, their standard of perfection. Evidently, nobody could measure up to diatrophes' standard of perfection. Sometimes pastors are like that, and uh, pastors expect a, a perfect flock. Well, pardon my slang. Good luck on that one. We're all got our spot and wrinkle. There's no perfect family. There's no perfect church family, and. Uh, we, we shouldn't make the standard higher than what the Lord makes. And this tyrant, he was a pompous, uh, he was a, a, a tyrant. He wouldn't even, Paul, or rather John, didn't even measure up to his quote-unquote standard. He was full of pride. He was full of, secondly, presumption. He's presumptuous. Look what it says in verse number 10. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he doeth prating. That word prating means babbling. Just saying all kinds of words against us, evil, malicious words, and not content therewith. He was presumptuous and, uh, again, had all the answers. And then we see his practice, twofold twofold practice, in the latter part of verse number 10. He himself, rece- he, neither doth he himself receive the brethren. Hey, folks, listen, we love the brotherhood. And all God's people said, amen. amen that brotherly love continue. We love the brotherhood. doesn't matter if they're from our church or from another church. We love the brotherhood. We love, uh, we love people that are that, that name the name of Christ. And so we see this. He didn't receive these brethren, the Bible says. And it goes on to say this. And forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. This is a Sunday morning. It's a little delicate to say this, but... When we have visitors in the house of God, they ought to feel welcomed. They really ought to feel welcomed. They ought to feel that hey, they ought to feel at home. Oh, no, you don't rate here. Or, no, you can't come here. This is a closed close club. No, I don't, I'm thankful that I don't believe we're like that. But if we must nurture this, this relationship and be not, not condemning... Uh, condemning others that don't maybe look like us or think like us, work with them where they're at. And then uh, his practice was to condemn, his practice was con- is contrasted in verse number 11. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. So God contrasts the evil from the good, this tyrant pompous, if you will, he, uh, he called evil good and good evil. He didn't even accept John, because John was not make sure up to his own standard. Can you imagine that? Well, it brings me to verse number 12. Just one verse on this fourth guy, Demetrius, a tried and true partner of Gaius, maybe assistant pastor. Demetrius hath good report of all men and of the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record, and we know that our record is true. Demetrius was a tried and true servant of the Lord. He was faithful to the truth. Uh, I want to remind you that when God hands out his rewards in heaven, sometimes people make the mistaken idea that pastors are going to be the head of the list. Hopefully there will be a lot of pastors near the top of the list. I hope so. Uh, Evangelists, missionaries. But the idea, here's this assistant. Here's this man. We don't know if he was assistant. We don't know. All we know is he's a man. That's it. He's in the church, evidently. And Paul, and he's a helper. He's a fellow helper, a fellow laborer. And John, rather, says to, that he loves that he walks in the truth. And when we get to heaven, I honestly believe, ladies, I'm not trying to butter you up. I know it's not Mother's Day, but just hear me out. When God gives his list of rewards, I think there's going to be a whole lot of ladies ahead of a lot of, of preachers, in the, the, the awards list of being fervent for the truth and faithful to the truth and tried and true partners in the work of God. You know, God's blessed our church. I've said it over and over again. And let's not take that for granted. He's been very good to our church. And I, to God be all the glory. We don't steal any of that glory. But I want you to know that God's been faithful to us because I believe we have a lot of tried and tested and true partners that are, that do the work of God, including those in the nursery, those in junior church, those in beginner church, our security that's walking around right now, and in all the different phases of our church, there were people here yesterday and Friday for several hours cleaning the building. We on on Friday there was we had people here mowing the lawns, all that stuff that has to be done. Tried and true partners, but then we get to verses thirteen and fourteen, the last two verses. And John turns to the the, the the, talk to himself and then notice the tenured patriarch the tenured patriarch or the tenured father John is the father of the truth Look at, you don't need to look at 1 John 2, 13 and 14 but there we see the Bible says that he wrote unto the fathers because they have known him that is from the beginning John as we looked at last week was the last of the apostles he was the last of the apostles and he was a father figure of sorts, one of the last, one of the few remaining Jews in this now almost all Gentile church. And he was a father to many, maybe a father to Gaius. And I want you to notice what he says in verse 13, he says, "I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee. I want you to notice that this, this father the truth, the fact the, the, concerning truth that there are many facts. Of truth, we have 66 books in the Bible. We've been preaching systematically through first John, Second John and now third John, verse by verse. There's so much of the Word of God that we haven't got to. Paul says in Acts chapter 20, verse number 27, "For I've not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Folks, that takes a long time, that takes a lifetime. There's so much of the Bible that we need to know. And we have the major cardinal doctrines of the word of God that we, we lift up as major doctrines, and they are. The doctrine of salvation, the virgin birth, the blood atonement, the trinity of God, salvation by grace alone, those major doctrines. But there are other doctrines as well that are just as much fact, maybe not as, uh, of, uh, as, as important per se, but nevertheless we need to preach the whole counsel of God. John, John said, I have many things that I need to write unto you, I have much that I need to preach to you, but I can't do it all in one shot. It takes a while. So there's many, there's many facts of truth. But then I want you to notice the manliness of face-to-face truth. John says, but I trust, verse 14, I shall surely see thee, and we shall speak face-to-face. Hey, you could have done this this morning. You could have went to Bedside Baptist this morning could have turned on your radio or if you've got your computer or your your cell phone you could have got a church on the web sure you could have you could hear a radio broadcast or what have you or an internet broadcast but there's something coming in. the Lord knows that and talking to us face to face there's something about having somebody you know sometimes we call it in 1 John we call it in your face preaching in your face book and somebody trying to look at you right in the eyeballs and saying this is what God's word says and uh, and here's why, that communication, that, that visual communication. Paul says there's something manly about that, something godly about that, where he, one day we'll see him face-to-face, by the way, and we'll know uh, that we we'll, we'll wish we had given him more. Maybe we'll, we'll know, know that it was worth it to serve him at the same time. The many facts of truth, but the, the manliness of face-to-face truth. But then the last part of the verse says this, Peace be to thee. Our friends salute thee. Greet thy friends by name. Notice the memory and mention of the friends of truth. That phrase, by the way, greet thy friends by name. We only see that same phraseology one other time in all the Bible. And it's found where Jesus, of course, says in John chapter 10, the Good Shepherd chapter. He says, my, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and, and I... And I uh, and and he calleth his own sheep by name. He knows your name. And John says, Great great thy friends, greet, greet my friends by name. He knows your name. The memory and mention of the friends of the truth. God wants us to be proponents of the truth. He wants us to be defenders of the truth. He wants us to be fervent for the truth, faithful in the truth. He wants us to be tried and true. He wants us to be tenured, sta- stabilized in that truth. So let's get to the personal test. I ask you, ask yourself the question this morning Am I a defender and a dispenser of the truth? Do I share the truth with others? Am I a dis- defender and a dispenser of the truth? Or am I a detra- despiser and a detractor of the truth? What is it, a defender? and a dispenser of the truth, or a despiser, and a detractor of the truth. This book was written to five guys on the subject of truth. Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. Lord, I pray, Father, we might be valiant for the truth, fervent for the truth. Lord, I pray for our young people. I pray for our Generation Xers. I pray for that Generation Z crowd, as they're called, the the tweens amongst us, Lord, the kids down in junior church, and Lord, uh, maybe see valiance for truth in these last days of apostasy, and we'll thank you for it, Lord. I pray you bless in our moments of invitation, Lord. I pray for those that, Lord, maybe are nonchalant with the truth. Lord, maybe be defenders and not despisers. Maybe be uh, truth tellers and not detractors from the truth. We pray. Have your will and way in our midst, we pray. And I ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. As we stand together, let's take our hymn book this morning and turn to page number...